Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ajax won, Tottenham nil, and the best news is there's still so much unbelievable football still to come this week on Optus Sport. David Wiener with you here for another episode of the Gagan Pod, and we cannot wait to tuck into what we just saw this morning on Wednesday, as well as all the big talking points in the world of football. I'm joined by three men who've been up very early this morning, who've been on the couch on Optus Sport, and good enough to give us their time for this podcast. Craig Moore, how are you going? Very well, very well. It's a, a really good game of football this morning and uh, certainly a, a tie that is still wide open for the second leg. Absolutely. Thomas Sorensen, welcome back to Optus Sport. Good to see you. How have you been? Yeah, a similar. Uh, pretty excited for the game tomorrow as well, Barcelona and uh, Liverpool. So uh, a lot of, of great things to talk about. Absolutely. And Luke Wilkshire, drop points on the weekend. So different mood this week to, to last week, but still things are going flying for you, the Wolves coach and Optusport pundit. Mate, don't remind me of that. I just enjoyed a nice game of football watching Tottenham versus Ajax and uh, you'll get me back in a mood. <laughs> it's what I'm here for. It's what I'm here for. Well, guys, as we said, lots to dissect this morning. Craig, we'll start with you. Your reaction to the result uh, and the performance of both sides today. Yeah, look, it was... Um, I, I think it was a game that we kind of expected um, to see in a way. Um, Ajax... You know, probably didn't come in as favourites, but but we all believed that they were going to put in a, a good performance, and certainly the way they they started the match. You know, they 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 worked ever so hard. They they pinned Tottenham in, but more importantly, just on the ball and the way that they moved it. Um, you know, their rotations and just players being brave and, and wanting to to get on the ball and creating opportunities. Managed to get their early goal um, through Donny Van Der Beek, which. Um, you know they, they really deserved at the time and it probably was a good 30-35 minutes before Tottenham start to to really ease their way back into the game and that was on the back of um, quite a, a nasty looking injury to, to Vertonghen um, it then forces a change for Pochettino uh, and I think not only forced him to a change but tactically he recognised that he needed to make a change and certainly the back end of that half um, finished well for Tottenham, they probably wouldn't have liked the the, 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 the halftime to come when it did because they started to get a little bit of momentum. Second half was a lot better for Spurs. How good were Ajax? We were 59% position in the first half away from home. We know they've been a fairy tale this year, but did you expect them to be that dominant uh, taking on Spurs today? I was a little bit surprised the way Spurs started because, you know, we talked about it on the panel this morning. that It was all set up for, for a little bit more direct, um, you know, especially at home, you know, get Ajax on the back foot. And I, I thought... Spurs stood up, stood off a little bit, you know, tried to play out, and it sort of played right into the hands of that high Ajax press. They never got out of their, of, of their own half, couldn't, couldn't get a ball forward. Lorente wasn't in play at all, uh, and the Ajax could just dominate. So that, that surprised me a little bit they, that they didn't use that outlet a lot more as they did in the second half, and that proved them suddenly it changed around. A more physical, you know, they, they, they dominated midfield, uh, and, and Lorente was... He's one of the best players in the game. I thought he was tremendous. He just lacked the goal. 
Will Spurs have regrets about their approach, Luke, or was or in the end one nil actually not a catastrophe given how good Ajax were in the first half? I think um, you know the way they begun the game, there was no real urgency, like you say, uh, Thomas. I think the they didn't they didn't get into the game. Ajax hit the ground running, um, and Tottenham being at home, you'd expect them to be to be aggressive, to be to be going forward, try and bring Lorente in, like we said, and and get the crowd behind them, and they didn't do that. Um, so look. They did come into the game, and I think there's a lot of positives to take from it, and and they'll feel, I'm sure, um, going away with the form and with Sun coming back in, that that they can still progress through because the tie is evenly balanced at one nil. We have to talk about the continued Ajax fairy tale. They are just the third team ever to win all three of their knockout games away from home: round of 16, quarter final, and semi final against Real Madrid. Uh, Juventus, Tottenham no less who are the other two teams that have done it Bayern Munich and Real Madrid that tells you the pedigree of how much they've done how are you enjoying this ride Craig and, and what you're seeing from this side that are, are really taking everyone's breath away you know, well, you, what you've got to understand is um, this is a this is a team that started um, way way back as you mentioned I think it was the 26th or 27th of July um, with, with the second qualification yeah. round uh, against Sturm Graz Managed to get through that one to then play standard Liège and then got to the playoff stage against Dynamo Kiev. That was just to get to the group stage. Um, and, you know, you look at your squad um, and, and momentum and not, not so much luck, but when I've looked through the players and the amount of games that these players have played, they've been very fortunate this season that majority of the players have been kept fit and, and been able to be on the, on the field week in, week out, which is a huge, huge positive. Um, you know, we spoke on, on air the, this morning that, um, you know, the coach, Eric uh, Ten Hag, obviously made it um, clear that he wanted to bring some experience to this squad uh, because he knew he had, he had some great young talents, which have all stood up, as we've seen. Um, but the likes of, of Tadic um, and Daly Blind, um, you know, they, they've, been, they've been excellent in terms of, you know, adding that experience and know-how and... Like I said, the, the, we're seeing a brand of football that we know um, in terms of it's, it's very familiar, especially to this fantastic football club. But it's been an unbelievable journey and we look at some of the, you know, the development of some of these players and, and the value of some of these players that has changed and how much it's changed within a year. Um, you know, you're looking at De Jong who's gone for, I think, 70-odd million. Uh, last season, he was, he was valued at four or five million. You look at De Ligt. Exactly the same. That's what happens know? when you get such a run in the Champions League. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Anana. Uh, you know, profiles have just gone through the roof on the back of such an excellent run. And Tadic is the, is the best bit of value of a signing you've heard of in years. I mean, if they, they probably don't want to sell him on, but if they did, they'd make a handsome, a handsome fee on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good bit of business. Uh, but I think they've, they've, they've got it right. Um, I, th- I think you're, you're spot on with, with the injuries. They've, you know, they've kept everyone fit. But they have such a, such a great balance. Um, and, and what really stood out for me today that when they were put under the cosh today, you know, they, they, they fought, uh, you know, they, they showed a bit of steel. Um, and, and you you got you to gotta do that at times. And, and, and they'd grind it out a result in the, in the second half. And I think that was probably the most impressive because we know we can, they can play football. Yeah. You know, they showed it against Real Madrid, against Juventus. Uh, Juventus. You know, they, they, you know, that even, you know, the goal, the chances they created in the first half, they're just a, the interchange and, and the movement up front is fantastic. Um, but, but also... They, they have a lot of desire, and I, I love that from young players. I, I agree with you there, Thomas, because I think that, that was a big standout for me this morning. Um, like I said, we know they can play. They're technical players. You give them space, they can play. Um, what I was curious to see, and I thought the best chance that Tottenham had of getting a result against them was to get in amongst them and give it to them because 
know, the Dutch like to play that total football and it's to see if they've really got that, that bit of mongrel in them to, to grind out results. And that impressed me. They, they scrapped. Um, I thought Onana was great for them, coming out, collecting crosses, um, taking pressure off his defence. And they kept a clean sheet away from home against the Tottenham team that, yeah, OK, they're missing Kane and Son, but... That's a good Tottenham team, and so I was impressed with the way they kept that clean sheet. I love the stories they're doing the rounds now that everyone is talking about how this team came together, and my favourite one is how they, after a poor season last year, they fear that they might break up already. The players start to look to get out and, and, and make moves abroad, and um, Mark Overmars and Edwin van der Sar got them together before the season, maybe the core group of stars, and showed them who they most replicate as a legend of Ajax, and inspired them to say... If you, you need to stay one more year, because to actually leave here having left your mark, you need to replicate what these guys did. And it's worked a treat. And to think they are one game away from making a final going back 22, 23 years to when they were last, last there, it's, it's, it's a football fairy tale. So it's absolutely fantastic. Now, to continue this discussion, uh, we're here in, uh, it's not quite sunny Optus HQ outdoors. It's a, it's a bit cloudy today, but we've enjoyed what, being up early this morning to watch it. We have got on the line, fresh from London after being at the game, Michael Bridges was there with Richard Bayless and Mark Schwartz, and we're going to continue the conversation with him right now. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you travelling? I'm very well, thank you, very well. Where, where I would are... rather be in the studio with I'd rather be in the studio with you guys because having to spend the whole day with Mark Swartz and Richard Bayless has been absolutely <laughs> painful, especially when Tottenham Hotspur get beat. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a rough ride all day, but a fantastic experience to um, and some beautiful football was played by by um, Ajax. I've got to say that. So how does Pochettino approach yeah. it then when they go to Amsterdam? They've got to go. They've got to be very very um, defensive at, at the beginning of the game because this team of this team and Ajax, Mark Schwartz was saying that they will sit back and absorb pressure. I don't think Ajax will. I don't think it's in their DNA at this moment, in their style of play. I think they're going to go and put numbers forward. They're going to have the rotations, the energy levels we saw. It's a young, vibrant team who are full of confidence and look so relaxed. So I think Pochettino and Spurs have got to go there with a very cautious attitude to begin with. And the longer the game goes on, then they're going to have to throw caution in the wind because you need you need them goals. To, and I, I believe that they've got the op- the opportunity. Um, the fans are hoping with having Son back that it could be the, the deciding moment or the change of, of the player that they need because up front Urente held the ball up very well I just don't think they managed to get numbers forward to support him in the wide areas um, Rose and Trippi the distribution was, was absolutely shocking to be fair and I think that's why he changed it to them to prove a point um, uh, in the bench the bench there wasn't a lot of inspiration from the Tottenham bench so they've got a, they've got a lot to learn and going over to Ajax but I still think um, Spurs can get something from this game definitely now I'll say it's 40 I'm going to say it too, it'll, it'll be 2-1 and they'll go through on the, the away goals will Spurs Right. I've got to say that Dave I've got to say that Dave haven't I <laughs> Mate, you talk about the energy that, that Ajax obviously had and that obviously helped with uh, the Eredivisie not playing on the weekend uh, for this game but given that yeah. this weekend they're going to be back playing um, and then have to back it up again against Tottenham do you think that's going to play a part in the result? Yeah, I think it will. They, they look, they look super fresh. And to be fair, I think with with the games, they've, they've got you know they're going for the treble. That'll play a huge factor. Um, Spurs have looked very underdone in their last game against West Ham, and I think they had their mind focused on this one. And I, the injury today was the one that inspired them. Uh, we didn't didn't players go off, and it looked like he's in a pretty bad way. To be fair, um, I think there's going to be a lot said about that with the concussion ruling. It's completely different to what we are used to in Australia, um, especially. Um, when you've got to do the, the concussion test. I don't think this was taken out um, correctly over here, but it's, it's, it has been done by the, the letter of the law, um, but it's definitely going to be looked into because he went off in a terrible, terrible state. Um, 
so that's going to get looked into. But uh, I just think that they, they, they will be a little bit underdone due to their game. Um, so that, that is definitely going to play in the hands of Spurs. Bridget, what, what do you think? Uh, obviously, you said that you think Tottenham will sit back a little bit. What, where does that leave Lorente and, and, and Son? Do you, do you think, because I thought Lorente was probably one of Tottenham's best players today, and, and, and uh, does he not deserve a start, or do you see them just going with Son? I thought he did a very good job up top on his own. I just felt like he was a bit isolated. He played well with his back to goal. Um, but I just feel like there wasn't enough pace to, to try and hurt and penetrate him behind the Ajax um, defence. I think they were very happy seeing you to do that because there was no willing runners. Eriksen was playing very deep. So I think if they can go with Son and stretch the game early to create space for the midfielders, Deli Alley to get the ball, Eriksen to get the ball, I think it'd be a completely different different scenario because it just looked too comfortable for the for the Ajax defence. Yes, Insignorenti had a great game, but he, he never really threatened in the right areas. He was holding the play up. So there was, you know, there was a few different tactics used by Spurs and um, I, I think they'll go with Song and they'll use his energy levels and again in the wide areas that was Spurs best opportunity to get the ball in your end but they didn't they didn't maximise that or utilise that today one bit because of the, the final ball was, was poor so um, I, I think Song's going to give them that extra little bit of dimension to create a space in midfield Bridgie just a quick one then you touched on, on tactics there um, what, what's the general feeling from the, the fans after the game uh, in regards to tactically uh, Pochettino obviously started with a five um, you yeah, had the the um, Horrible injury to Vertonghen, but that change uh, yeah. was a positive change for Spurs uh, in terms of the way that the game then played out. Yeah, Murray, fascinating question, mate, because literally just before the injury was happening, um, all the all the media and the fans around you, you can you know you can hear them chatting, and everybody was discussing what's going to happen next, and we're all talking about the midfield. We're getting dominated. Um, Spurs were getting outnumbered in there, and we're looking at the substitutes. The Soko could come in there to give them an overload and go to back four. And just as that happened, uh, the injury happened. That's exactly what Spurs did. So then the, the questions of people were saying, you know, Pochettino should have recognised that. Was that going to be the um, scenario he would do at half-time? Um, and it really played into Tottenham's hands, the injury. And uh, it forced the change that actually enhanced them. And, you know, it, he's, a, he's a fantastic manager. I think he would have recognised that himself because we have seen him change in um, change the, the setup in the formations during games Murray as he, as he likes to yeah. do when he sees something happen but I think after witnessing and watching that half he will definitely go there and play a back phone because he cannot let Ajax um, dominate that midfield again Bridgie how was your night out what was the new stadium like because uh, it looked absolutely spectacular from here with the, with the wall and, and, and all the banners and everything what was the noise like and, and particularly at the start when everyone was up we, do you know what it is coming over here about six months ago to witness Tottenham play at Wembley against um against Southampton I was really really devastated because the, the atmosphere at Wembley was, was absolutely shocking you hear the fans were in different places at the stadium and um, I really felt let, I'd let the Australian people that had travelled with me down because it was it was an absolute nothing game no atmosphere today has been unbelievable this, this stadium has the it's like a theatre you can hear it echoing all around the ground it's the wall um, that they put on today trying to replicate what Dortmund do was magnificent. Uh, they never stopped singing. And I, I was blown away. I've got to be honest, the facilities, it's the best stadium I have ever been in. Um, the results haven't come. Obviously, the West Ham result, the Ajax result, it's, it's very tough when you do move from stadiums. Uh, we had that at Sunderland when we went from Roker Park, an old-style ground, to the stadium alight. 
There's no comparison to what we witnessed today. Um, and I was just blown away by everything, and I was delighted with the pies. There was a lot of pies and off the lads. Um, I put on about of 10. Of course you were. And keep on it. You've walked into that. We weren't going to mention it. We, we, it shows, mate. It shows. There, were, there, was, there was much more food left over from our pre-match meeting today, and you've just walked straight into that. Now, you've been a busy boy, Bridgie, because talk about stadiums. You were, you were, <laughs> you've been doing a bit of a tour. Of course, you went over hoping to watch Leeds' coronation. It hasn't quite worked out that way. But while we've got you, I want to learn a little bit more about what it was like being at the stadium on the weekend for the absolute drama during Leeds against Aston Villa, where, of course, Marcelo Bielsa's act went viral across the planet when uh, he told his team to essentially give up a goal uh, in an act of sportsmanship. What was it like being there in that moment during a game that also had such big ramifications for Leeds as well? Yeah, it was actually surreal, Dave. The, when you saw it unfold, there was a lot of players were getting abused there um, for time racing by Aston Villa. Jack, Jack Grealish was going down at every opportunity and the fans were really, really giving him some stick and getting a bit annoyed by um, the manner in which he went down. So when the play went down on halfway line for Aston Villa, Leeds, Leeds didn't want to put the ball out. And every, they had every right not to. He played at the whistle um, because it wasn't actually a really bad, bad injury. But the manner in where one of the Leeds players looked like he was going to put the ball out, and then he changed his mind to play a slip pass to leave the Leeds player one-on-one. Um, it, even, even when he looked to play the ball out, he sent the crowd for dummy because we were like, oh, what are you kicking out for? Oh, he hasn't. It's game on. So it, it, it was a turning moment again. Then there was all the, the fun on. <laughs> um, and Bam- Bamford, the player of Leeds United, went down faking an injury and got the Aston Villa player sent off. That was bang out of order. He's got two games on the back of that. So it was just crazy to witness this seven minutes of madness. And then uh, to, you know, to, <laughs> to rub salt in the wounds, Bielsa had said, listen, let them go up and score the goal and admit to, to get it a 1-1 and, uh, to give the sportsman award Jansen yeah. the captain had other ideas he tried to stop Villa from scoring so it kicked off again um, and then he got in trouble off his manager but the, the when I spoke to the um, chief exec Paul Bell after the game I said in that situation and it had been for the Premier League would you have let that happen he said no Bielsa wouldn't have let that happen we would have gone to the three points that was promotion what Bielsa has done and his team have recognised because of the spy gate against Derby and because of the bad press that they've had during that, they didn't want to get Aston Villa rubbed up the wrong way. And they've gone to try and play the nice card so that when they go into the playoffs and they come, come up against Villa again, they haven't got that anger and hunger. Um, because at the end of the day, we know as players, lads, what you would have done, they cheated against us, let's go and get them. So it was a bit of smart play behind the scenes. At the time, I was just thinking, this is madness, why have they done it? But after hearing the um, the answers why from the coach and staff out, it was very, very small then. Very interesting. John Terry will still be raging. Don't worry about that. It didn't work with him. He was still firing up after the, the, the goal had gone back in. Bridgie, we'll let you go back to your beers and uh, in, enjoy the atmosphere out there. It's, it's, uh, I think they could have, they, they might be relieved it was only 1-0 in the end. So game on for Tottenham going forward. You enjoy the rest of your time over there and we'll see you and speak to you soon. Excellent. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, lads, fess up. What would you have done in that situation, uh, be it as Marcelo Bielsa or even in that split second of a moment where you're going, oh, I've just feigned out. <laughs> oh, hang on. <laughs> I've got a clear path to go here. Yeah, look, there's a couple of things here and we've heard a couple of people speak about it. Even uh, probably the, the most sensible one has been Arsene Wenger uh, in terms of... Look, nowadays, you, you at times are getting players trying to referee games to a certain extent, you know. I mean, uh, if it's a head knock, obviously the referee needs to, to come in and to, to stop the game. If it's not a head knock, 
you know, how many times have we been play told as players, play to the whistle? So this for me was very much a, a situation of play to the whistle. But earlier on in the game, there was a, an Aston Villa player, I believe, that, that had a, a, an injury and, and they've done the right thing. Uh, or oh, sorry, a Leeds player was down injured and Aston Villa have sort of like done the right thing and kicked it out and let him get treated and all that sort of stuff. And the way that it looked as if the, uh, the Leeds player was going <laughs> to obviously kick it out ends up to, to, to end up being a goal. But everything that followed on the back of that was, as Bridgie said, was really, really messy. Um, but uh, it's interesting in terms of what, what Bridgie said there in terms of the decision and how quickly Bielsa would have made that decision. And, and what, does he make that decision by himself? Does he make that decision on behalf of the football club? That was interesting. That, but was he uh, aware in the points given that they weren't going to get automatic promotion? I think he was pretty aware he of must that. Have. Win he win, was pretty aware win, of win that. for him that he can almost close off that spy gate, enhance his reputation, the myth that he's got, and also show this act of sportsmanship. I do love to put. Bridge, you answered a question I had, which is if it was a playoff, would he have done the same thing? Yeah, yeah, and we, and we got that, but again, this is probably a good one for you, Luke, because you're a coach, right? And, and, and now in terms of what you're managing through a game, and at that level, um, that, that decision-making process and how quickly you made it. If, if you're aware, which I th- I'm pretty sure he was, that it didn't matter whether they won, drew, or lost that game, they were going to finish third. So when he's in that position, you can, play, you can try and play that nice card, which is what he's done. And I think... You know, when you look into that, and obviously he was clever enough to think of that, not just think, I want to win this game, um, to look beyond it, then I think it was a good decision from him. Whether I think it's right or wrong, I don't know. Because like you say, I think they should have played to, played to the whistle. So I think, you know, Aston Villa, they deserve that goal because they didn't play to the whistle. It doesn't matter. They can say he's looking like he's going to kick the ball out. Or until he does, play on. Yeah, I don't think there's any excuse. That that rule was changed uh, probably about four or five years ago when... You know, you play to the whistle. If there's an injury, it's the referee's decision. And doesn't he, if he doesn't blow the whistle, you know. So again, I'm, I'm with you, Luke. Uh, you know, I think uh, it, it was their own undoing. And you know, I can sort of sort of get into the head of Jansen, the, the Leeds captain. You know, he was frustrated because he wanted to win that game, knew how important it was, and 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 probably felt unjust that that uh, that, that they were going to give back a goal and and the communication maybe wasn't quite clear from Bielsa. maybe had a clean sheet bonus yeah. <laughs> out the window ah, yeah. there you go it's something and, we and don't know in his contract and there's another one when you look at Aston Villa well who's going to score the goal <laughs> yeah exactly cuz i didn't know it was it was all very awkward all very unbelievable i think uh, there, it was a long shot that they still could have been alive had they won but as you say i think Bielsa knew that in the bigger picture that was the way to sum it up just very quickly you mentioned the injury and the head knock just quickly on this morning for tongan with the um, the way that was handled your thoughts on that were you surprised that he was allowed to even get back into the picture yeah no i, I think they, they they should learn from from what's happening in, in america with American football and, and you know where it's taken really seriously you know I know they've a couple of years ago they said oh, we're going to look at it and it, it, they need a, a someone who's like a doctor at the ground who has got no connection to any of the teams he's going to make that call because there's so many other things at stake uh, you know at the end of the day a doctor a team doctor hasn't really got when, when there's that much at stake Champions League semi-final and the player wants to play on and the manager is there looking over his shoulder he's not going to make the call and say oh, I'm going to pull him out if there's any doubt so there needs to be some sort of you know it needs to be changed at least that it's out of the team doctor's hands and somebody else is making that decision because Vertonghen obviously should never have been back on a pitch to the state he was in yeah as Bridget said we're going to hear a lot more about that one Rightio, then give us an answer. 
So Leeds United into a playoff equation. Good luck to them. It's going to be an incredible, incredible couple of weeks. But Norwich and Sheffield United are partying. They are celebrating. So we begin this segment with Norwich and Sheffield United will get smashed and relegated next season. <laughs> wow. In one word. <laughs> yeah. No, a look, few I, brutal I, words. I, um, I, I just, unless they're going to go out and really spend and, and bring some... Um, some players in, I think they're going to find it very, very tough next year in the Premier League. Yeah, they've, uh, they, I mean, Norwich have been up and down in recent times. Sheffield United have been really defensively uh, resolute this year. But, uh, yeah, we've seen it's difficult for the guys down the bottom of the table when they go up. So, um, but that, well, we, we've seen Wolves this, this year. You know, if you recruit well and you get the right kind of players in, you can sort of, you know, going from a maybe defensively strong unit, you can just add that little bit of quality that can make a difference, but uh, I agree with you, they'll have a tough time, I think. But that was that was hefty at the start Brutal. there. Smashed <laughs> and, and gorsed. I actually think that Norwich can can do alright next season. Um, German coach, six, seven German players that have come in, they'll obviously go into the market again. We all know every season how, how good the recruitment is, is key to, to what you can do. Um, but I think it must be a really strong group I don't know whether you've been involved where uh, at clubs where all of a sudden you're in a different country foreign coach comes in all of a sudden foreign players from that country come in it can it can unsettle your dressing room it can unsettle your squad it can unsettle everything it hasn't and I think that that's going to be potentially a, a strength for them and something that they can then grow on I mean it's something I experienced at, at Rangers when Dick Avocat and a lot of Dutch players come in but we had a strong dressing room uh, and, and that's important but so that, that'll be interesting, the dynamics of that. And, and because I think that they've done that and, and transitioned so well, I think they could be maybe not as um, uh, struggle as badly as what, what Luke mm-hmm. thinks. Right, and they play a good brand of football too. So two contrasting teams going up and we'll see who the third one is. All right, Luke set the benchmark. Over to you, Thomas. <laughs> David De Gea at the moment is lost. I think uh, he looks a little bit like a rabbit in headlights. Uh, you know, I've... It's a tough place sometimes for, for a goalkeeper. You know, he, he he had a tough time early in his United career. Then, you know, fair cr- credit to him. He, he's really turned it around. And, and, and the presence he was last season, how many points he actually won for United was, was very impressive. And I think he won goalkeeper of the year. And, and uh, But then again, you know, now a couple of big games, especially the Barcelona game, the Man City game, you know, again this weekend. And, and you, you just get to a point where... You know, half mistakes because the, you know, the media is like like Luke. You know, they just <laughs> <laughs> you want to us now, buddy. They just cut you in half. You know, so uh, you know it's you know at the moment every half mistake. You you know it just gets you know blown out of proportion, and uh, sometimes you can lose focus. The, the voices from all sorts of people. You know, suddenly you start to listen to them. You, you start to doubt yourself, and that's a tough place to be in. And and you need probably can't wait for the season to finish and, and just regroup and then you know I don't know if he's an intentions to to leave United or not but uh, he'll need to regroup in the offseason and, and, and get get his head back on hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when I travel I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home and one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain and Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For, for next year. But the, the notion of contract talks leading to this kind of form, that's got to be an excuse, right? You're not sitting there out in the field thinking about that you want to go to Real Madrid. No, and that's the thing, you know, there was talks about this last year, you know, they, they, I remember, you know, when he was playing well, there was talks and, uh, you know, that, that's, I think, an excuse from, from the media that, you know, if there is a, a chance of him going to, to Real Madrid, he wants to play well, he doesn't want to, you know, let goals in, so, you know, that's just a, you know, if, if you're a top keeper, that's, you know, that's the first thing you want to do is play well and, and you know, save the, the, the shots and that sort of thing, so, it's just a bad, bad period of time for him and, uh, you know, he, Again, you're the only one who can change it is, is yourself, and that's hard work and belief and, and yes, support as well from, from the team. We'll see what happens. It's, it's unfathomable, but he's just leaking goals and throwing them in at the moment. Craig, Unai Emery has to... Um, show leadership and invest uh, for me. I, I think, look, he is a manager that, uh, with his previous uh, jobs and clubs, uh, has gone quite heavily in the market. Um. I've no doubt that's what he's gonna he's gonna do. Although um, it's not really clear uh, at the moment, at this moment in time, what what's actually happening at Arsenal. Um, I think I kind of spoke a, a, a few weeks earlier, saying that it probably wasn't the happiest club, and there probably wasn't that that leadership there at the moment. They actually went on and, get, and, and got a couple of results, but recently been very very poor. Um, the result uh, against Leicester for me was. Um, was really poor defensively. There were some there, there were some real issues uh, in terms of, I think the, the second and third goal uh, that they conceded uh, against Leicester. One was just route one, yeah. which was I mean that's that's park football uh, in terms of you've got to defend that a lot better. Uh, Mustafi is a player who, who has taken a lot of criticism. They couldn't even blame him. He was out at right fullback. Um, you know between Kashoni and Socrates, uh, it, it was really poor. And even just that. When, when you look body language yeah body language and, and that willingness to want to defend um, it, it for me it, it didn't look good the the body language was wasn't wasn't nice uh, and for me that's a big problem uh, because it's just kind of now starting to 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 leak out onto the field the kind of the, the murmurs the rumors the, the you know Arsenal's an unsettled football club but now you're actually seeing it out in the football field and I know that they've got the the semi-final of the of the Europa uh, which will give them a lift and there's still a lot to play for but I tell you what leading in from their domestic stuff hasn't been great no and and, and I think the defending has been the Achilles heel especially away from home for for years, yeah, uh, you know that's been their downfall. That, that that's why they they're not competing in the Premier League because they're losing so many. You know, at, you know, back back at home they're they're safe and you know they're comfortable. But you know, get them to to Leicester or uh, Stoke or Sheffield United or you know any other ground where it's a bit windy and you just see them falter. You know, you, they they haven't got that you know will to to, to defend and, and put their body on the line and do the do the tough yards. Uh, you know that that's that's been a problem. And and in saying that, and what Morris touched on there is that he needs to do. He needs to invest, and that's where he needs to invest. He's in the defence. He needs uh, he needs a good solid pair at the back there that um, like Morris says actually want to defend. 
yeah. um, not just play. Without that, there's almost it's going to be history repeating again next year. I mean, they've gone three games, conceding three goals, losing all three of them. Um, they're all now the reports are coming out that the players are confused because each week he's tinkering with his tactics and his formation. They don't know what he stands for, but he's having to do that with a squad that actually he's inherited and has to try extract something the best out of. So hopefully he can get some defenders and actually play to. Um, to what he believes in going forward. But, hey, he could still win a trophy this year and could end up in the Champions League. So you never know. Neymar. Neymar has become... Extremely arrogant. I, um, you know, look, he's always been a, a flamboyant player and he's, you know, but if you look at his actions over the, you know, obviously he's, he's verbal. He's verbal after the Champions League exit of PSG. Um... I guess you could put it down to frustration as well. We spoke about that, that he's frustrated at um, maybe his injuries, the performances of PSG going out of the Champions League early. But you look even, uh, you know, his reactions after the, the cup final the other day and swinging his arm towards a supporter who was making a video of him. Um, you know, and I guess he doesn't really think anything of it. Like, he just, he's gotten that arrogant and I think above himself that, he, that he's prepared to do those sorts of things where he knows there's a million cameras and limelight on him. Um, so I think, yeah, he needs to be, be taken down a peg or two. Thomas Tuchel tried to pull him into line. Can you pull someone into line who basically, you know, is the centrepiece of the dressing room? So now that's the, he's obviously suspended from blowing up up to the Manchester United uh, elimination. Now he's got this as well. Um, he's gone from that pedestal of being the, on that Ballon d'Or pedestal to really everyone asking, is he going to achieve everything in his career? Whether that's spilling over into now is his antics, uh, it, it's very possible. So Neymar. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I think the uh, main point is I think he's been upstaged by Mbappe. I think that's it. He came in as a big guy. Mbappe's totally blown out of the water. He's had the injuries. He's had the things on the side. And I think it's just uh, it's sort of creeped up on him. I think he's just, you know, he's lost, he's lost it a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe he needs to find <laughs> somewhere else to play because he <laughs> doesn't seem to be handled it well. Do players like that in the dressing room, they just can't cope when they're not the, the centrepiece? Yeah, you got those players. Yeah, uh, You know, you hear, you know, stories from Barcelona with, with Messi that he's been, you know, he's been ruthless. You know, if, if players have threatened his status, he's, he's sort of <laughs> had them skipped out of the club. And, and, and I think Neymar, I think it, it, it deep down, I think, uh, well, that's my take on it, that Mbappe has a lot to do with it. He hasn't achieved his potential, really, Neymar. I mean, I guess he must be feeling that now as well. And then if he, this isn't his club anymore, because Mbappe is the centrepiece, then, you know, that's what's spilling over here. Yeah, I think you're right. He said what? Speaking of superstars with the centre of the club, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, well, he says he is the MLS, but he ran into a few troubles when he tried to take on Nedim Onua in LA Galaxy's game against Real Salt Lake in the MLS. Now, Zlatan, after a bit of uh, a banter and a bit of a, a back and forth with him, uh, went to apologise in the dressing room for what was a heated contest, but then uh, the Real Salt Lake man came out with, he came in to apologise after the game because from 60 minutes in, he's saying he's going to do me, he's going to hurt me for that game. This is a guy who is the face of the MLS, as he calls himself, but this is the way that he plays on the field. I don't care. If someone comes in and says that to me, I don't care. I'm not going to accept his apology. It's unacceptable. Is there a point where things don't stay on the field? I mean, look, with this situation, are we, are we talking about it if he doesn't apologise? It's like that's how it's come out, obviously, in the, in the news. I mean, look, Zlatan is... Zlatan, I mean, he's had so many fantastic moments. Um, he has been different. He's certainly not had a career where there's never been any issues. But normally, like I says, I mean, what he can produce on the football field 
And also when you see him about in terms of, you know, within the community, younger kids and all that sort of stuff, he's, he's, he's normally really, really good and a great advertisement uh, as he is the face of the MLS. But, you know, saying that, saying that I'm going to do you, I mean, Luke, you probably, after <laughs> I've maybe taken one myself, I'll be honest with you, maybe I have said to a player, mate, <laughs> that's your last time because I will do you. So I just don't know the context of... Exactly, you don't know the context. And you look at this Nedim Anoa, do you think he's just coming out, he wants to make a bit of a name for himself by commenting about Slatten? No, he, he did play for Man, Man, Man City at one point. So yeah, so I he, know. He but has a bit of a name. But, he, but he's not exactly Zlatan, is he? No, no, no. And, um, you know, I guess, like, like Maury said, if Zlatan didn't go and apologise, and this isn't even a conversation. So you can, you can turn around and say, like, is that not a bit of class from Slatten? You know, yeah, you, you know, I've said something yep. in the heat of the moment. I regret that. I'm actually apologising. And then to then turn it around and, no, you know, you know, it, these things happen. And we've been on the football field. You know, I've probably said things I shouldn't. And at the end of the day, after the game, you shake hands and you move on. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and this player may be in this situation. Again, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but you're right. You know, Zlatan going in and saying, by the way, I was, I was out of order. Really, really sorry. Unfortunately, sometimes people don't accept your apology and... That's what's maybe just come out here. I'm sure it'll blow, blow over. Zlatan has the myth. This is, this is part of the Zlatan theatre. Was there a bully or someone that just had that intimidating factor that, that from your day that, that this reminds you of? or that But was also good enough to walk off and you shrugged it off and you knew that it was, yeah, it was standing part of straight the across me. Craig Moore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. When I was a young player and I went overseas, I kept my mouth shut and just done what I was told by the, by the senior professionals. Um, I'm trying to think players, player-wise, actually. Remember big... Uh, Bobo Ball there that used to play for Celtic big central defender oh my god he was I was going to say built like a built like a tank (laughs) built like a tank I remember um, an old firm game and uh, free kick one of those ones and you kind of He's, he's, your, he's your height, Thomas. Yeah? You're a bit bigger than me and man, he was solid. And I've stood on his, on his toe and kind of backed into him. Half-time coming up the tunnel at Parkhead, mate, I've looked behind me <laughs> and I've seen this, this big man come charging for me and it's kind of looking as if it's going to kick off in the tunnel. Ended up sort of like nothing ended up happening, but I was thinking, geez, I would have been in big, big trouble because I, I think he, I think he had my number. Come on, mate, you were, you had one as well. You wouldn't let one, no one go past you. A young and try to go past, even if he's in training, you're dropping the elbow, you're body uh, checking. Maybe it. not the elbow. Maybe not the elbow. Maybe a little block. A little block. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very careful with where I stand on the couch when uh, we're watching the games in the morning. Don't you worry about that. All right, one more, and this is going to look ahead to Thursday's game. We're going to talk about it briefly because hopefully you, you might be listening to this any time during the week. But of course, Lewis. Suarez and Philip Coutinho, they are facing their old club in Liverpool. There was a brilliant interview, if you haven't read it, with uh, Luis Suarez in The Guardian. And one of the highlights for me was he said, any player would like to go to Liverpool now. It was different then. If we'd won the league, I think it would have been an even bigger achievement than if the team do it now. It is going to be a strange feeling, but lovely too. How are you feeling right now if you are Suarez or Coutinho? No, I think, you know, they've they had great times at, at Liverpool, both of them, you know, they're highly regarded and, and for them, you know, when they go back to Anfield especially, they'll get a standing ovation, I'm sure. Um, you know, you know, and I've, you know, we've probably all been there going back to, to former clubs and, and if you've done something great, it's a great feeling to then, you know, get that appreciation, you know, but on the, on the, on the other side, you know, they, I'm sure as he says here, you know, I'm, you know, you'll probably be glad if, if uh, Barcelona go through and Liverpool, I don't think you want Liverpool to win, so, uh, you know, when the game kicks off, all that will be out of his head and uh, he can then shake a few hands after the game and, and see people in and around the ground that, that he, he'd known from the past. 
Yeah, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a good thing as a player, but uh, in uh, come game time, doesn't matter. They were they're very professional. They're going out like I said, it's trophies at stake here. So you know, as Thomas said, it'd be great to to go back and see some familiar faces. Um, I watched a, a little bit of Liverpool uh, television last week, I think, uh, before Robbie Fowler come out to to Australia, and they were actually having a conversation about. Coutinho and the reception that Coutinho and Suarez will, will get um, coming back. Uh, and, and the feedback from that was that with, with Suarez, uh, they'll, they'll be positive because although he ended up leaving, as we know, um, he, he stayed an extra year and kind of uh, when there was a lot of rumours about him moving and therefore kind of Liverpool fans go, OK, he was one of us, he wanted to be, you know, eventually it's business and he moved on. Whereas the feeling amongst the fans was that Coutinho tried to nudge and tried to force uh, a move out of Liverpool and uh, it would be interesting but like I said the feedback there was that the two receptions would be slightly different. You really wonder sometimes what would have happened if Suarez and Coutinho had stayed but they've obviously flourished with Mane, Firmino, of course Salah and and the embarrassment of riches that Klopp has gone on to sign as they've kicked on. Now if you want a bit more on this game there's a Gagginpod Extra that you can listen to where we have a full preview of it as well. There's lots on the Off The Sport app where you can hear the gentleman's thoughts from the couch this morning but we won't leave without a quick tip for tomorrow. Um, How do we think this one's going to go? I think it'll be a tight game. I think uh, Liverpool is, is set up to to have a chance to, to beat Barcelona. I think uh, defensively they're stronger than Man United were. And they can, they can offer a threat. I don't think Barcelona have been defensively very sound. Uh, they've, you know, they've relied a lot on Messi. And, and uh, I, I think they can get a goal at, at New Camp and, and, and set them up. So 2-1 two, two for me, uh, Barcelona. Yeah, I can't see anything but a Barcelona win at home. Um, you know, in the in the new camp, I think it's too much. But like Thomas said, I think there's every chance that Liverpool could get that away goal. They they are good on the on the counter attack, as we know, and I'm sure Klopp will have him set up ready for that. Yeah, maybe a little bit boring. I, I'm, the same sort of thing. Look, I think Liverpool can definitely score, um, and yeah, I probably think that Barcelona can go on and win the game. But Liverpool can go and win here. Don't 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 think that they can't go and get a result here. I mean, their strike force and the players that they've got, Salah's banging in goals now, confidence through the roof. Mane's flying. Um, you know, it'd be interesting, again, who supports with that. Henderson, obviously, with his newer role further forward, you know, being creative. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool nick a result here, although I, I think that Barcelona um, may, may just have an, enough in this first leg. Yeah, as you said this morning, Luke, Lionel Messi's promised the trophy, so, you know, he's going to deliver it. Possible. But if, if Klopp watched Levante... Well, of course Klopp watched Barcelona versus Levante on the weekend. I just think there's that little part of him that's going to go, that Liverpool blitz... That Liverpool, you know, berserk that what we had, what we got through on last year, he would have seen a bit of that game, a 4-3-3 against Barca. They were a little bit open for business, and he's going to think, there's a 5-10 minute window here where we can just go and, and get that key goal that will turn the tie, uh, hopefully for them in their favour. So I can't wait to see how that one goes. But he has to get through that, and then we move on to the business of the Premier League on the weekend, of course, where it's not... I mean, this is what they have to balance out. We spoke, They have a maximum of five games left this season, and they could have the greatest season of their lives, or they might end up with nothing. And part of the, the, the framework here is they've got to go to Newcastle on the weekend. It doesn't get any easier. So, boys, it's Manchester City against Leicester, Newcastle against Liverpool, and, of course, just the way the draw goes throw it up, you've got the, you know, the double agent roles of former Liverpool bosses Brendan Rodgers and Rafa Benitez working behind the scenes because they're of course the two coaches that have come closest to bring Liverpool success this century so what are we seeing this weekend can anyone get us a twist in the tail 
I, I think there's there is a twist. Uh, it depends on uh, where it comes from. Uh, it, does it come from from Man City or I think one of them are gonna uh, drop points. Uh, I, th- I think the problem Liverpool have is they I think they play Sunday and then Tuesday again, so they'll have a short turnaround with with a lot of eyes on the Barcelona game at, at Anfield. And and what do they do at Newcastle? Do they go all in, play their best players, you know, risk injuries, risk you know, tired legs come Tuesday or do they uh, sort of go a little bit soft and, you know, running the risk of, of you know, a potential opposite? You know, I think that, that that's going to be a tough decision for Klopp. That also could depend on the result uh, tomorrow against Barcelona because, you know, if Barcelona sort of put it out of sight, you could say maybe they'll focus more on the Premier League. I think, you know, like you say, those games and that's, that's the advantage that Man City have got on Liverpool for this Premier League title race is they've just got the Premier League to worry about. Um, Liverpool, they're tough games. Two extra games against the likes of Barcelona. That's not easy to deal with. And Man City actually have more depth than Liverpool have, I believe, in quality to come into the side and to cater for those extra games. So, like I said, don't go to me, Dave, on, on Liverpool. I know Liverpool <laughs> fans are going to hate me, but I, I'm just going to see him in the upper <laughs> empty-handed. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm you've sorry. Been say it again. You've been sympathetic. I, I think it's fantastic. They've been fantastic. But I do believe they're going to end up empty-handed. Sure. As a coach, do you, does Klopp have to approach the selection for the next two games almost as one and almost have a look at how he actually handles that? This is an interesting one because we were speaking a little bit earlier on and, uh, in terms of you know what Klopp does and um, you know does he make the changes and, and all those kind of things. Um, I think he's just going to... It's hard. I mean, it's just... You know, the players are playing a lot of games. It's recovery. You know, as, as a coach, as a manager, you're seeing if your players are up, you're getting as much information and data to make sure that they're ready to go. Um you know, Guardiola and, to be fair, Pochettino, when they after the classic uh, Champions League encounter, both made significant changes domestically, um, which I, I thought was quite brave, uh, especially of, of Guardiola with with all that was at stake. I know, Luca, you touched on the depth that maybe you know City might be stronger. Um, does Klopp does Klopp do that? Is he willing to do that? Is he is he yeah, but you know, my, my point of view is that this is the business end of the season, and, and this this is what the big players are being paid for. And and what what have you potentially got four five yeah, five yeah. games left? You know, like play the strongest all side, in. Uh, yeah, all in, all all chips on the table, and and go for it. So on one hand, you've got two teams that don't drop points. On the other hand, you've got four teams who just can't figure out whether they want to be in the Champions League next year. Um, obviously, talking about who takes top four spot has implications for Eintracht Frankfurt versus Chelsea and Arsenal versus Valencia. But who's going to step up, boys? Who is going to step up and actually take a stranglehold in this top four race? Or is it going to be as per? Spurs, <laughs> Chelsea, you're through. At the moment, who knows? Because um, no one has over the last weeks. And it is. it just seems to be up in the air and, and you can't... There's no consistency from any of them teams that are fighting for it. I think, um, obviously, Tottenham are in a fantastic position uh, given the results, um, even given that they lost to West Ham, they got away with that one, I believe. Uh, so I believe they'll take it out. And I do think it'll end up being Tottenham-Chelsea for me. Why is it? Why Why? Why is it this year that, that, that those four teams just have stuttered and, and they've been dropping points left, right and centre recently? It's, it's, it's tough to, to pinpoint exactly what's happening. I mean, obviously United have, have sort of fallen off a cliff after the fantastic revival. Um, you know, just... No confidence. No, it just seems like the desire has suddenly left them. You know, and, and Chelsea have just, you know, I know they're still in there, and you know they they, they haven't impressed really at, at any point this season. It's just been, you know, a couple of good games, a couple of you know bad results, and 
you know, just the consistency. Uh, I think Tottenham will, will get there. Uh, again, they've got players coming back, and, and uh, I think they've got enough, um, you know, as a squad. So, uh, and Arsenal, can't see them, uh, no. you know. <laughs> no, I think, that, like I said, I know that there has been, um, you know, a bit of chopping and changing or, or you know, teams certainly not at this stage being convincing. Um, but I, I can't, you know, Man United and Arsenal, from what they've been dishing up of late, you, you can't, I can't see them getting into the top four, I think. Uh, I agree with the two boys. Um, but the reason why the results as well, like, the Premier League's a, it's a really, really good league. Yeah, I mean, okay, take out Huddersfield and Fulham this year, and you know, okay, Cardiff to a certain degree and all that. But you're normally coming up against teams that, especially if you're getting them that, that, that team at home. Um, you know, you look at Wolves for example this this year. Their record against the top six has, has been phenomenal. And then you, you there's, so there's trends. There's trends in the Premier League as well. You know, you look at a team like Crystal Palace, where. Um, their home form hasn't been great. Normally, you say about uh, you know staying staying in the EPL. Uh, it's all about your home form. Their home form hasn't been great. Their away form has been unbelievable, um, and that's really what's brought them safety this year. So it's it's interesting how sometimes certain seasons uh, you know you see these kind of trends. Um, but like I says, you you got to give credit that the Premier League's a tough league. Uh, there's no easy games anymore. And that actually makes the Manchester City and Liverpool run of form even more extraordinary. Oh, here's a good yarn. And we're going to end off on a light-hearted note, just a, a funny story from around the world of football, and there's always at least one. An assistant referee had to stop a game in Portugal between Chavez and Nacional for three minutes because he had to go to the loop. He had to stop the game, and everyone's gone and watched what's going on. It's all stopped because he's off... Uh, you know, wadding in, in the bathroom. What's the strangest reason you've had to have a pause in a game for? What's the most bizarre thing that's come across you in your career? Maury, I didn't realise you were a referee, mate. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I've had to, uh, I've certainly not had a, uh, an incident. Um, but I've, I've been involved in a, in a couple of teams uh, where <laughs> you're doing a warm-up and the next minute you're seeing somebody sort of like shoot off uh, very quickly. Um, and he's like, where, where are you going? Obviously, yeah, I had an accident or I'm about to have an accident. Um, but in terms of a referee, I've, I've not I've not really seen or been involved in a game, Thomas, where a referee is... <laughs> 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 Just self-refereeing for five minutes. <laughs> no tackles. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the thing I, I remember was a, a game where, where somebody kicked a corner flag and then they actually... Because they're supposed to have a replacement corner flag <laughs> and they didn't so it was sort of running around and, and uh, you know trying to find uh, some sort of pole that they could prop in and, and we, we had to stop the game for about 10 minutes before they, they eventually found something so other than that and then lights going out uh, but a referee oh, yeah, back, light, in, yeah, back in the day the UK the old lights that, that, that was <laughs> one that happened pretty regularly yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, we've seen in Australia, we've seen goals collapsing and gaffer tape come out and people get on each other's shoulders to try and put it back in like old park style or, uh, you know, yeah, the, the, the net, the corner, not covering the corner and the ball slipping in. So there's all sorts of funny things. But to see it in the top flight, it's always very bizarre. And the worst one, and I don't want to bring it up. Well, actually, no, I brought it you up. Just have the worst one. The worst one. Oh, hang on. I, can I guess? 97. Oh, no, right. You're 97. 97. What happened then? What happened there? Remember the guy that, and I forget his name. Um, Peter Hall. And I'm glad I forget his name because what happened was a, an absolute disaster. Obviously, going great guns and thinking that we got every opportunity at, at qualifying for the World Cup, 2 0 up. 
Um, comes out in the pitch, Thomas, and swings off the crossbar and, or breaks. Or, anyway, the play stops for 10 minutes. Uh, World Cup qualifier for 10 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. Um, we've kind of got ourselves together as a, um, as a run. Um, and then after the, after the break, they come and bounced out of the traps and we were probably sleeping a little bit and equalised 2-2 and we, we didn't qualify for that World Cup on, a, on away goals. I believe it was probably a, a record also in terms of crowds over the two legs, 126,000, 27,000 yeah. in Tehran and full house at the, M, the MCG. And um, Yeah, it was a sad moment for a, a lot of players. Current national team coach Graham Arnold, last campaign, a few players last campaign. So, Do you remember... That five ten minute period, you guys saying let's keep it. Together. Did, did, did you do you remember trying to stay focused? Uh, look, uh, that's a long time ago, and to be honest with you, like I said, I mean the game already uh, we we should have been dead and buried. Uh, but no, I don't really remember that moment. And I'm saying like we switched off. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, it's just that pause, uh, that momentum, that change or, or, or stopping the play a bit like today with the with the game this morning you know that stop a play the Tonga and all of a sudden a game can just swing on its head yeah you know now you bring it up losing qualifiers and and, and not qualifying for something you know I, I was in a in a game uh, with Denmark uh, we were three 0 down and against Sweden got back to three three uh, conceded a, a stupid penalty and as I'm sort of in goal this drunk fan runs on to the pitch from behind and attacks the referee, uh, slaps the referee, uh, referee stops the game, and uh, that was it. You know, um, <laughs> and we end up losing the game three nil. Uh, he, he refused. We were. I was in there. I remember being, uh, you know, vice captain. So the captain and the vice captain from both teams. Jungberg was was uh, captain. Uh, Henrik Larsson from from Sweden. We were in there talking to him. He f- refused to go back out. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, these things happen, and uh, fans can't get involved and, and, and ruin things. He took the result out on you. He blamed you guys for the for the intruder. Basically. He blamed the referee, but uh, you know, I think he'd had a, a, a beer too much. I mean. Maury, I wasn't fishing when I actually put that in, and in the end, we've ended on a somber note because I. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was just like a game. Sometimes when you you've got certain questions and you're going through things, and then uh, you know something else just pops into your head. I mean, uh, for me, I was I was fortunate enough because uh, I was young enough to to have other opportunities, but there were. There were some great players back in that time that that was their last throw at the uh, of the dice and you know for me like I says I've been able to get over that there'll be there'll be some people still in the country that, that will never ever get over that mm. no absolutely and I was young enough to remember it as one of my first football memories so um, wow okay didn't mean to end on that note but there we go <laughs> the good news is we've got a huge week of football left on off to sport Thursday morning Friday morning and then the Premier League continues gents go get some sleep thank you very much for your time today Cheers, mate. Thank you. Good fun as always. And to everyone out there until the next Aiken Pod, enjoy your football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.